When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Welcome to Cavs Podcast. I'm Nate Smith. I'm here with Chris Francis, and we just watched what I don't think anybody would argue is the worst Cavs loss of the season. Coming off possibly their most complete game of the season against Atlanta, where they just looked absolutely dynamic, and then they lost a 103-95 stinker to Portland in a game that they led by as much as 16 in the first half. Um, Darius Garland played one of his worst games in a Cavs uniform with eight. It, it wasn't even one of his worst games in a Cavs uniform because he, he wasn't abjectly terrible, but the eight turnovers for the Cavs absolutely killed them. Uh, the Cavs went 7-32 from deep, weren't particularly dynamic, uh, bringing the ball up, ran a very slow paced. I mean, they only attempted 89 field goals in in 48 minutes. Uh, it, it was it was horrible, and I would safely say that after this game, I mean, if you check on social media, and the tide has turned against JB Bickerstaff. I mean, the the knives are out. Am I wrong here, Chris? No. No, uh, it's about damn time because I could tell you talking to other fans of other other teams and just other NBA fans and observers, uh, they're finally they've always been on JB socks. I mean, like yeah, they, this this was definitely the refrain that you heard, especially coming out of that uh, Knicks series last last spring was you know okay, well, maybe if they fire JB, then they might do something or go somewhere. 
Um, somehow, uh, you know, somehow right now that we're sitting at 10 and nine, I mean, they're a 10 and nine team. They're, they're a mediocre team whose problems in that Knicks series got exposed. What did they not do? Their offense stunk. They couldn't rebound. And where we sit 20, almost 20 games into this season, what's the story? The offense stinks. They don't rebound. And, uh, they literally did nothing in the off season to fix either of these problems. So I'm not sure, you know, I mean, it, it, I guess finally we're talking about JV being on the hot seat, I guess. Yeah. And, and there were rumors when he came out late for a press conference that uh, he was, he was getting fired tonight. You know, um, I heard that, <laughs> You know, Jay, uh, Jared Allen left the building even – Tom Withers reported that Jared Allen left the building even before media availability. So uh, Yeah, that's of, wild. That's yeah. so wild to me because, first of all, Tom Withers is not exactly a guy who, like – he's not a clickbait guy. He, he's, he's not a rabble-rouser for yeah, sure. Yeah, he, he's a very uh, soft-spoken, uh, very uh, careful individual. And, uh, for, you know, when you mentioned, when you, when you posted that tweet or whatever, and, uh, I looked at the box score, 38 minutes for Jared Allen was insane. It's insane. Like he sucked tonight. So actually, let me, let me be more specific. He sucked in the second half tonight, a big one. Well, I, I wouldn't even say the second half from the moment that the Cavs were at 40 to 26. Uh, the Blazers took a timeout, and then it was garbage for the rest of the game. There you go. They stopped. So yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. We'll, we we could toss blame around everywhere, but like thirty eight minutes for Jared Allen to just do out there do cardio for at least half the game was just ridiculous. So I don't know. If, like it definitely struck me. I don't know if it struck. It was an eight man rotation tonight, and it and it and it reeked in the second half when the game was slipping away of JB like playing guys to punish him basically. He was like basically saying to the guys like figure it out. And they just they just sunk, you know, like, I don't well, know. And, and I, I think you can do that to a certain extent. But when your team needs energy yes. and no one on the floor is giving you energy, yes. go back to the guys that gave them energy against Atlanta. Tristan yes. Thompson, Craig Porter, Jr. Craig Porter, Jr., who who had a, a bad couple possessions against Atlanta, saw three minutes, never saw the floor again, hasn't seen. Was it Atlanta? No, it wasn't even Atlanta. It was, it was the game before, yeah. It, it was, was the game, game before. before. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's just, you know, we needed a spark, and JB refused to go to anyone to get that spark. In fact, who we went to are the two worst players of this season so far, which is Georges Nyang and Isaac Okoro is who we decided to go to for the spark. Yeah, um, and for sure. And – and and let me just also say this is one of Karis Levert's worst games. Yeah, he was bad. He was, he, bad. He was straight yeah. bad. He was minus seventeen, two for nine. Uh, he he stunk too, and he he's had a pretty decent season so far, but he was he was garbage this game. And and it's sad that the guy that brought the most energy off the bench was Georges Niang, who to me abjectly. Stinks as a player. Um, oh, listen to this. One defensive rebound from the bench tonight. One. Yeah. 
one defensive rebound on the bench tonight. What's, what's Isaac Okoro doing on the floor? 17 nah, it, minutes, zero rebounds? That's a freaking joke. Yeah, I mean, how many games do we need to see that before we change the coach, change the way they're using Isaac Okoro, or just get him off the damn floor? You know, yeah, he's not... He's, he needs a shorter leash. Like, he's, if, not if he's not playing rebound, well. Yeah, if he's not going to rebound, why the hell is he out there? Right. Like, literally. Why is he out there? He can't shoot. He can't dribble. He can't pass. So at least go get the freaking ball. Yeah. And, and the Cavs, you know, lack of shit giving when it comes to getting loose balls is, oh is consistently becoming an issue. Um, let's talk about, um, I thought Donovan Mitchell uh, was part of the problem early on. I thought he got into his ISO bullshit in the... Uh, Nah, I, I told you. Well, well let, let me just finish. Yeah, go you know, as they kind of wound down towards the end of the first half, there was a lot of his, you know, pound the rock, ISO BS, and I really thought it t- brought the energy of the whole team down. That being said, other people got to provide energy, and, you know, Donovan Mitchell still played with energy in the fourth quarter. He still gave him seven rebounds, six assists, four steals, 23 points, had a lousy shooting night, one for nine from deep. But, you know, part of it is if you're going to play iso ball, you got to do the rest of the other things. The problem the Cavs have is when not everybody is touching the ball, um, guys sulk. You know, Jared Allen, if he's – not getting enough touches, he sulks. He doesn't play hard. Um, you know, Evan Mobley gets into this mode where he makes dumb turnovers, and nobody was making more dumb turnovers tonight than Darius Garland. I, if I have to watch him try and pass through three guys again, uh, it's going to drive me crazy. I mean, I'm not blaming you. Like, I totally disagree with Donovan Mitchell looked great in the first half and six assists, one turnover. He was taking care of the ball. He should have been the point guard more tonight. But, but you know, fair. I just, I think it, t- I'm not saying it's Donovan Mitchell's fault. I'm saying it's a fit mismatch. Like, they don't seem to play well together, Mitchell and Garland. I mean, well, well, I mean, it, I, it's easy to say tonight, but I mean, the numbers totally disagree with that. You know? I bet on the aggregate, yes, there yeah. are just what I'm saying moments where they don't play well together. And I feel like Darius Garland, I would want to see Darius Garland's turnover rate when he handles the ball more when Mitchell's not on the floor, because I feel like his turnovers go down when he gets when he dominates the ball. I don't know. I don't know. But I also no, I, think it's a coaching the part. The, yeah. The part I totally agree with you is Jared Allen seems to, uh, his energy seems to wane if he doesn't get his touches. I totally agree with that. And I don't know why he's sulking. Cause that's not his role. That's not his job. It's ridiculous that he would do that Four four defensive rebounds tonight for Jared Allen Four. You know, no, and it's completely your, obvious he's your, not boxing out. Yeah, the Cavs have a boxing out problem, and they've had a boxing out problem ever since Kevin Love left because he's the only guy on that team that boxed out. You yeah. know, it's insane. Georges Niang actually has a pretty darn good 
defensive rebound rate, yet he's a terrible player. <laughs> Does he? I, as far as I know, it's been awful. No, his rebound rate, at least according to uh, dunks and threes, is is still pretty good defensively. Okay, yeah. No, I mean it's yeah. I mean that's surprising because it's uh, yeah. He's way above his career average for sure. Right. Yeah. I mean he just he's. I mean he just sucks. I mean, like, <laughs> no, I'm with you. Like, I I think he's a terrible player. And the funny thing is, is how bad he is on offense. Yeah, I mean, he's just, like, to me, the defense, yeah, I mean, he's just bad. I mean, he's just unplayable. Like, it's funny he's getting paid $8 million. Someone, Someone in the live thread had the audacity to say that was a good signing or that a contender would have uh, signed him for that much. That's a freaking joke. Like, the Philadelphia 76ers let him walk with good freaking reason, and it's because he sucks. He drags yeah. the whole team down. But but let me even get back to a more basic point is that JB's not reaching these guys anymore. They're not playing hard for him. They've had two absolute stinkathons in the last eight games. That game before Thanksgiving against Miami, they didn't show up. You know, and I I get annoyed tonight that um you know, Donovan Mitchell says it's on me. You know that th- this game's a wake up call. This is we're hoping this is the wake up call we need. I'm like, where was that wake up call eight games ago? Like, why did Nate spend a bunch of money to go to the Cavs game, and the wake up calls eight days later when you laid an egg that night? You well, know, to be fair, I think that was the game coming off of the Philadelphia game. If but I'm that's the saying. problem; they're not consistent. It's it's yeah, on not, the second I'm night not. of a back-to-back. It's before a holiday. The Cavs don't handle success well. They don't agree. handle no, leads way well. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm just saying that that Heat game, I mean, if you look at what Philly did that night as well, they got blown out by like 20 points by Minnesota in their game. So I'm just saying I, I was, get it. The problem is, is if it's, if it's a one-off, it's one thing. This isn't a one-off. You know, and tonight's game kind of proves it. They've had these absolute stinker games throughout the last three seasons, you know, where they just don't show up. You know, what was it last year? It was that Houston game. Or no, the Detroit game. The year before, there was a Houston game. Like, it's just they're they're losing to bad teams. They're not bringing the energy. They're not approaching the game like professionals. And I... It doesn't matter if JB's a good coach or a bad coach. There needs to be a new voice in the locker room. There, that nobody's listening. That that's my take. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I think if you, I, I wouldn't, I, I would. I'll put the Miami loss aside. I think the worst loss happened the game after. It was Los Angeles. You know, Los Angeles. Oh, the is Lakers not a, game. Yeah, yeah, they're not a good team. You know, like they should have beat the Lakers. Like that, that was no excuse to lose that game and the defense didn't show up that game. The offense didn't show up tonight. Um, it's just uh, the vibes are weird, man. Like the vibes are not good and it's, and it shouldn't be that way because, you know, Struess was a home run signing, like playing him instead of a Coro should have made us a lot better. And we're sitting here, we're sitting here at 500. So, uh, yeah. some, some, something's messed up here. And, the two guys that you could easily point to is like the massive regression uh, this year has been Darius Garland and Jared Allen. Those are the two guys. If you want to pinpoint where we're, what's the difference between last year and this year, 
is Darius Garland and Jared Allen. They're not playing up to they're not playing up to par. I I will yeah, at least not consistently. They've had their games, they've had really good games. Um but you know, Darius Garland walks the ball up. He was walking the ball up so much tonight. They did not play with like I was so happy after the Atlanta game cuz I was like this is the pace the Cavs can play with. This is like you can play this way, you know, you can play with this kind of pace and they just walked the ball up. They were lazy. They were lazy. That's the problem. They were yeah. lazy on offense, they were lazy on defense and you know, we'll get back to the biggest issue with this game when we come back from the break, but they were just lazy. Anything to add before we cut out? Yeah, I mean, I don't get why Mobley rode the bench so much, especially at the critical part of the game at the second half. He was rolling tonight uh, and then didn't sniff the ball for whatever the reason, or sniff the court, really. I don't know why Jared Allen... 20 points and a plus three for Evan Mobley when... and. In 34 minutes, and Jared Allen plays 38. Yeah. Like I mean, he, a yeah. blind man could see that Mobley was rolling. Why not go to him? If you're going to overextend somebody, go for the guy who actually is playing well. Uh, and hard. And, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, that that's what was really disheartening was Jared Allen just completely mailing it in in the second half. Darius Garland being extremely careless and sloppy. The bench being a complete no-show. Tonight, I mean, that's really, really where the game was lost. If you look at the plus minus, I mean, is really Yang Okoro and Lavert couldn't hang tonight. So uh, it's it's really disheartening when they're getting outplayed by uh, Scoot Henderson, Matisse Tybel, uh, du- I don't even know who this guy is. Duop Reef, like, come on, man, twenty-seven year old rookie. Uh, <laughs> hey, and and all props to those guys. Like, no kidding. Yeah, I, sure. I don't want to. I don't want to bag on those guys who played hard and played well. You know, Matisse Tybel is a guy that he's not a good offensive player, yep. but he's an outstanding defensive player, and he is a steel machine. And if you're careless with the ball, he's going to punish you. And if you let a guy get rolling and shoot wide open threes, he's going to get hot on you. Yeah, my boy Jabari Walker. Uh, he was my second round uh, steal for the Portland Trail. Twelve rebounds in twenty four minutes, just absolutely dominated the boards. Um, God, wouldn't it be nice to have a guy like that on the squad? Absolutely. And with that, we'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to 
Cavs podcast, Chris Francis, Nate Smith, JB Bickerstaff um, is the the man of the hour, the the man <laughs> of infamy, if you will. Um, he, here's the here's the worst part: is I like JB Bickerstaff, the person. I think he's a nice guy. He's a great culture setter. But what I think the problem is is he's a caretaker coach. He's a guy that you bring in to sell, set the culture when you're tanking and get your team to play hard. And But he's not a guy that is going to win games. He's not a good tactician. We've seen it for three straight years. He's abysmal at managing challenges, out of timeout plays. I've actually been really impressed with some of the offense the Cavs have been running at times this year. But it's not consistent. And the bigger issue to me with JB is it it's it's just time to go. It's time to try something else. I don't know. Uh, but what what are what are the things that you're hearing about JB and what are your big gripes to start with, Chris? I I, I I'm so frustrated I can't even express myself. <laughs> Hey man, it's, it's all right. It's all right. I mean, we should be frustrated. I mean, the thing that, I mean, like I said, from every, what everybody said, you know, the, the talk that I hear from people that are hardcore fans that know the league well, that, you know, especially do media stuff like that is they were just surprised that they were surprised Bickerstaff was retained like uh, after the playoffs. And I think I said that before. Um, to me, I mean, like, just look at his track record. He's a below 500 coach, coach 500 career games, probably more than that. Can't remember what the stat is last time. Below 500 coach, never any success uh, in the playoffs. Uh, and, and specifically, the thing that he has been always known for is that he cannot coach offense. He cannot coach offense. This was why he was fired from Memphis. This is why he was fired from Houston uh, is because he is a completely unimaginative, completely, you know, attack, attack the rim, attack the rim, attack the rim. Don't don't shoot threes, attack the rim, attack. He's an old school coach and the game has passed him by clearly, you know, because, yeah, you you can you could attack the rim sometimes. But like the game has moved to the perimeter now. You've got to be able to shoot threes. We shot seven for 32 threes. 21% tonight. They shot. Well, 35. how many did they shoot in the first half? Right. I mean, it was low. It was, 13? Shot like 13. Yeah, it was 13. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, just it's in, in his penchant for what does he always do? He loves to play three non-shooters on the court. He He's absolutely addicted to playing Isaac Okoro um, with both of the bigs or one of the bigs or with uh, one of the pairings that has never worked out is Karis Levert and Isaac Okoro, Karis Levert and Georges Nyang. Those lineups are a complete black hole. And what does he do? He, com- he runs them out all together all the time. And so it's insane. Like he's just doing things. He's getting basic things wrong. He's, he's getting really basic, rudimentary things wrong as far as the strategic part. I'm not talking about... Oh, 100%. Let me give you my example. Yeah. Why did the Cavs miss the in-season tournament? Because they pulled their freaking starters against Detroit late when it was completely obvious that it was going to come down to point differential because the Cavs had already lost a game 
uh, parentheses that they should have won against Miami. And then they pulled their starters and didn't run it up against Detroit when it was obvious that point differential matters. Well, and then, you know, two weeks later, they're running their guys out late in the game against Atlanta and trying to make up 20 point or 15 point deficit in the point standing to New York. Why didn't you think about this two weeks ago? Like, this is the basic crap that he's not getting and he doesn't get consistently. It's it's the same way he mismanages challenges. H- how are we in year four of JB and they still don't have an intelligent system for challenges? You saw it tonight. JB challenged a call late in the game, completely obvious that it was not going to be overturned when you saw it on the floor. It was a foul on Malcolm Brogdon was never going to be overturned, uh, and he challenged it. Meanwhile, a play 30 seconds earlier, a possession play, where Max Struess got called for a, frankly, BS uh, foul that resulted in a, uh, I can't remember who the point guard for Portland was, but he would have had a backcourt if it wasn't for that foul. JB refuses to challenge that, and that's the challenge he actually could have won. Like, this is the basic garbage that is happening over and over and over and over again and that he's getting wrong. And I like JB the person. He's not a good coach. He's not a good tactician. It's time to move on. Sorry. I I went on a rant there. I'm so angry. (laughs) No, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, you know, we all have our beefs and it's just when is the the shoe going to drop? You know, like because right now we're sitting 20 games, 20, almost 25 percent into this season. And uh, we're a 500 team uh, with, uh, you know, we're, we're a 500 team with a top 15 player. We have three, we have two other all-stars on the team, a potential all-star on the team. You know, like we have a loaded freaking roster, uh, albeit flawed. Uh, it should work and it's not, you know. So I don't know what, you know, I mean, that's that seems to be the coach's problem. You know, it's the coaches that maximizing, it's not maximizing the situation here. I mean, that's, that's what we have to conclude. I, I mean, uh, I'm with you and... You know, what What was the quote I heard the other day? The The best time to make a good decision was a year ago. The second best time is now. <laughs> you know, and I'll say that thing with the, the best time to fire J.B. Bickerstaff was five months ago, six months ago. The worst time to fire, the second best time to fire J.B. Bickerstaff is t- today. You know, one of the tweets I read today was, I don't think that J.B. Bickerstaff um, makes it through November. And at 11.03 p.m. on November 30th, I saw a retweet of that that said, there's still time to, for my prediction to be right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, the I mean, like, to me, it's it's an easy change that could be made. But like then, you know, we need to go up to Kobe, you know. Uh, uh, oh, you preach. Know the he did not his answer to more off his answer to better offense and better rebounding was georges niang but that was i'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here in a minute but keep going state that your was, case yeah that that was his answer his answer was to not do anything not do anything 
and just say, hey, you know, um, Mobley and Allen, you know, they're going to get better. Oh, it was a schematic. You know, how many times did we get, we were fed the BS, like, oh, it was schematic. It was, it was because they were switching. It was because they were doing this. It's because, no, that's not what, see, that's how I know no one has played the game before. Rebounding is purely about hustle. That's all it is. Well, it's that's not purely. It it's hustle, size, and strength. It's hustle. It's hustle. I played the game. It's hustle. It's just hustle. That's why. Why is one of the greatest rebound? Why are the two greatest rebounders in this game six six? Huh? Like I, Ben Wallace six six, Dennis Rodman six six. Because Charles they Barkley, were unbelievably four. strong. Strength matters. Hustle, strength, and size. Those are the three things that matter for um, rebounding. Okay, I'll give you a little bit of that, but I mean, it's mostly hustle. It's mostly just go get the damn ball. That's literally all it is. And for whatever the reason, we got pretty boys on this squad that don't want to chase the ball down. They don't want to throw their butt into somebody and box out. They don't have a go. Yeah, it's core strength. You know, no, I mean, to me, it's just finesse. They're they're prima donnas, well-paid prima donnas that don't want to get dirty. They don't want to grit and grind. How many times do we have to, you know, like, how many times has that been the thing? You know what I mean? When are they did they show any grit? Did they show any grind tonight? Hell no. 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 Not an ounce. You know, so like to me, that's where I would start. Like, who are the guys are that the the only guys that I've seen compete on a consistent basis this year have been Donovan Mitchell and Max Struess. And, and the only, Craig Porter and, Jr. And good yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll fine. That's fine. But when, when given ones, the opportunity, yeah, the two main ones have been Donovan Mitchell, Max Strews, and it's telling that those are two outside guys. You know, it's not Jared Allen. It's not so Evan Mobley. I might give a pass because I think he's his rebounding is definitely ticked up. Uh, I think he's averaging yeah he's over twenty percent at this point, which is excellent. I never thought that he'd really. You know, that I, that was a key number for me for Evan Mobley is could he get over 20% defensive rebound rate? And he's over it. So, you know, Mobley's coming on strong lately, but basically it's always been Donovan Mitchell, Max Struess, that give it, the give-a-shit effort has only been those two guys consistently. So what's, I'm not going to argue. Yeah, where, what is Darius Garland doing? What is Jared Allen doing? You know, uh, Karis LeVert, uh, you know, he comes off the bench. So And uh, and has had a pretty good season, but he's stunk yeah. tonight. And he's yeah. had his stinkers this year. Sure, um, sure. You know, I'm going to argue with you a little bit on the Kobe uh, bandwagon. And I will say, you know, Max Struess, fantastic signing. I, I got to give him all the props in the world for that. Um, Georges Niang. I, I am one of my least favorite players to watch the last 15 years. Um, you know, he has no athleticism yet or anymore. As, as my wife said in the Miami game, he walks like you. Well, I am 48 years old and every joint on the right side of my body has problems. And I literally have no cartilage in my right knee. So he should not walk like me. You know, he walks like a duck. And, um, and you know, George Sneang was a terrible signing, but I'll give him a pass even on that because maybe it was part of the package deal. They all had the same agent, you know, Niang and 
Mitchell and uh, Max Struess. You know, m- maybe it's a package deal, but and, no, and I'll even give him his props because Amoni Bates and yeah. Craig Porter Jr. look like good picks, but not getting a third big that's worth a damn. Or I and maybe Tristan Thompson's worth a damn, but they're not playing him. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm I'm as I'm as much as at a loss as you are because I the the, the problem with we we're stuck with the same problem still from the Knicks series. We don't have good enough shooting. We don't have good enough rebounding. The only way I can think that that gets fixed is through trades. I, I disagree. I think the Cavs do have enough shooting. Um, I don't think, I think you're right. They don't have enough reading, rebounding. But part of the problem is when the Cavs play this offense where no one sets an off-ball screen, their offense is terrible. When the Cavs get Tristan Thompson on the floor and he's throwing his butt into people, um, it frees up shooters. The Cavs are not good at freeing up off-ball shooters. And when they walk the ball up and they don't play with any energy, they stink. I mean, I, you can pull the on-off stats. I know you're not a huge Tristan Thompson fan, but I would love to see the Cavs' offensive efficiency with Thompson on the floor as opposed to Allen. Um, I got to feel like it's better just because he frees shooters. I don't know. Nah, unfortunately, the stats will not tell you that. In fact, what the stats would tell you is Jared Allen's value as a player is basically on the offensive end. Okay. Uh, and uh, and so, hold on one second. I can. So, I mean, if just by the advanced stats, I mean the Cavs' offensive rating with Tristan Thompson's one ten point six, which is actually pretty solid. Where he's giving up everything is on defense, one seventeen point eight. No, so, yeah, I mean he's not a good defender in space anymore. Yeah, so he's he, everything. He's the the part he's struggling is on the the cap struggle when he's on the court uh, defensively. Um, uh, as far as Jared Allen, yeah, I mean basically his, the way he impacts the game positively, at least historically through the numbers, has been on offense. Uh, 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 Evan Mobley is the guy who's carrying the defense for us. Yeah, I mean, it's it it's unbelievably frustrating. And I just, I don't understand. Well, here's the other problem with the offense. The Cavs, again, are screwing up basic things. And we'll get to some of those things when we come back. And I'll actually have my stats right this time. <laughs> Welcome back to Cavs Podcast. Nate Smith, Chris Francis. Chris, should the Cavs be running an eight-man rotation against a bad team? <laughs> Absolutely not. What uh, should they be doing the, instead? Uh, JB should be benching the guys that want a loaf, which they were plenty to pick from. <laughs> uh, Isaac Okoro, Karis LeVert. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that was frustrating. Uh, and, and who should they be playing instead? I mean, honestly, I'd be going to Sam Merrill, Craig Porter Jr. And as, as far as if we were talking tonight, uh, tonight and in general, yeah, we signed Sam Merrill somehow 
you know, I know he doesn't shoot well, but I mean, he's barely played. And uh, we signed him for whatever the reason over Craig Porter Jr., uh, but he doesn't play. So I'm not sure what the deal is over there. Craig Porter Jr., obviously, he gives you juice, especially on the defensive end. Uh, Tristan Thompson, you know, uh, you know, if Jared Allen doesn't want to rebound on the defensive end, go to Tristan Thompson, for God's sake. You know, so, I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy that... So it, so what does the lineup data look like for Craig Porter Jr. when he plays? It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> He's bad. Although what's curious is the best lineup by far is uh, it's Darius Garland, Evan Mobley with Tristan Thompson, Georges Niang, and Craig Porter Jr. That's the lineup that's killed. Okay. Yeah, but I would also say isn't isn't the sample sizes are fairly small, right? Yeah, no, I mean none of the. I mean, you could chalk all these numbers up to noise, but that's all we have to work with. Yeah, um, but so here's the question: uh, in terms of lineup data, offensively, who's better, Craig Porter Jr. or Isaac Okoro? Oh, that's an interesting question. Because if you're talking about a guy whose minutes are going to get taken away. You know, you got to think Isaac Okoro's one of those guys. Um, And I'm just seeing basic things with the eye test when Craig Porter Jr. plays. Um, It's that teams don't respect his shot. The same way teams don't respect Isaac Okoro's shot. Um, He doesn't have gravity yet in the NBA. Um, He has been a somewhat willing shooter, but I don't think he's a very good catch-and-shoot shooter. And and it's pretty obvious that he prefers to take his threes off the dribble. So um, I I feel like he needs to improve there. But what were you about to say, Chris? No, it's there. There's basically no difference between the two as far as the team's performance between when Isaac Okoro's on the court and Craig Porter Jr.'s on the court. What I will say is that um, if you look at individual statistics, Craig Porter Jr. light years better passer, light years better rebounder light years better shooter or scorer let's say yeah no i'm I'm with you and i think one of the issues that i was just going to get to is when they play craig porter jr they don't put the ball in his hands enough they need to put the ball in his hands and move darius garland off the ball and let him be a shot maker instead of a shot creator when the ball's in craig porter jr's hands otherwise there's no floor balance yeah, I mean, Craig Porter Jr. is shooting incredible right now. 61.4% true shooting on 23% usage. Yeah, put the ball That's in fantastic. his hands, let him yeah. cook. Let him cook, yeah. It's really simple. But somehow we're but, – but JB, what does he try to do? He tries to play him off ball with Darius. It's, it doesn't it's make just, any sense. It just doesn't – yeah. It's just like – this is what drives people insane. It's just there's he overthinks things like he want. He, I, I think the problem is possibly the opposite. <laughs> yeah, I'll give him credit. I mean, you know, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll be not cynical or whatever you want. I'm not even trying to be cynical. It's it's I expect a coach in the best league in the world to be smarter than me. And if I can see it, I feel like he should be able to see it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I think he has a personal, I mean, if he clearly has a personal attachment to a Coro, that's, uh, it's, 
handicapping his ability to see the situation. Well, and we saw it last year with Lamar Stevens. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. 100%. 100%. So, you know, yeah, I, I think uh, unfortunately for JB, he has teacher's pets. And that's the way he coaches. And so it's really, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a fine way to coach AAU high school ball. It's no way to coach the NBA. 100%. Um, you know, and I was going to go, there's other guys. Uh, the other guy I want to look at, uh, obviously, like Damian Jones isn't getting a sniff this year. All his minutes are going to Georges Niang. And I don't think Damian Jones is any great shakes, but I want to um, give me a minute for some hot Googling action. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a topic. Uh, Sam Merrill, what should the Cavs be doing with him? I mean, they should be using him to, they should be using him as a cudgel against Akoro and Craig Porter Jr. at the two spot. You know, because what we need is someone to juice this offense. Isaac Okoro is not juicing this offense. Craig Porter Jr. is struggling to juice this offense. You know, give Sam Merrill a shot then. Um, you know, because at least people respect his shot. Yeah, and who did the Cavs sign in the offseason, the other point guard? Oh, uh, Ty Jerome. Ty Jerome, was he healthy tonight? I did no. not see him in the injury report. Was oh, no, I mistaken he there? He was. Yeah, no, he was. Yeah, he was listed on ESPN with Dwayne Wade is out. I mean, Dean Wade is out. Oh, okay. So he's still out. So, you know, one of the things that is a little bit baffling for me is that last year, um, Damian Jones uh, shot 1.33s per game. Um, in, you know, 63 games, not a, uh, absolutely, or not obviously a prolific number, but made a pretty darn good percentage of them. The previous season in Sacramento had a 35%, uh, three point shooting rate. Um, this isn't a guy who, you know, he can make the occasional outside shot. Why aren't you giving him a chance? Like, what is he here for if you're never going to let him shoot? Yeah, I mean, I'll say this. I'll say that Tristan Thompson isn't playing well enough to not have competition from Damian Jones. That's what I can say. That's a it's a fair comment. I mean, <laughs> and why do the Cavs not have another big that can shoot? Why hasn't um, Isaiah Mobley been getting a shot? I mean, he was pretty awesome in Atlanta and – the only thing he had to do to be awesome was just rock that Stussy sweater off the bench. You know, like why is it sharp? I, I like that sweater. I, I like Isaiah Mobley. I feel like, again, none of those guys are playing well enough in that third big spot that he shouldn't get a shot. I agree. I mean, I mean, could you play worse than Georges Niang and his negative three uh, estimated plus minus on offense? Yeah, he's at minus uh, on, on offense, yeah. Chris. Yeah, not even his defense on offense. 
No, I mean, he's just straight up. I mean, he's replacement level. So, you know. I, oh, I he's mean, well below replacement level on offense right now. He's been terrible. Uh, he has ticked up in the last couple weeks, but he was not in shape to start the season. And it was completely freaking obvious. I don't think he's a guy that gets in shape, to be honest. With well, um, I, I'll agree yeah. with you, but he wasn't even in Georgia. He wasn't even in minivan shape. You know, he was in ice cream truck shape. I mean, you know, there's no reason why he shouldn't have competition for certain. Uh, the two guys that are clearly hundred percent, the the two guys that are in the rotation that clearly uh, are sucking and deserve competition are Georges Niang and Isaac Okoro. You know, so preach. So there's no reason why they should have uh, fixed, you know, fixed minutes above every, anybody else on this team because they're 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 literally no better than any freaking. NBA player replacement. Well, and why, when Dean Wade is healthy, do those guys ever play over Dean Wade? Right. No, that, that's that's you know that's the hilarious irony is that uh, both of them are averaging more minutes than Dean Wade. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm with you. Um, God, where where do we go from here, Chris? What do, we do? What do you want to see happen next? For the Cavs. I mean, like, I think we both I want trades. a new head coach. No. How do we get there? I want to see trades. I want to see trades. Well, we are getting close to kind of that first NBA milestone on the trade calendar. And that's when guys signed over the summer are eligible to be traded. And I believe that's around the middle of December. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, uh, you know. Who who would you know? I'm I'm trading anybody that's not in the top five. Uh, I <laughs> and that, okay. That, and so the way, given that, your... that includes so that it, so the top five is Mitchell, Struess, Garland, Wade, and Mobley. Well, given the comments you made when we're off the air, do you? Maybe think about adding a name to that list, uh, Donovan Mitchell. I mean, so what was the, the comment you made to me off the air? The rumors are is that he's gone. He's gone. He's not going to resign. He's already gone. Like he has, and a I don't blame him at all. Look at where the team is. Look at what they've done so far. Uh, he's the only one that's playing. He, like I said, him is Struess. Only guys that are competing consistently have that championship mentality. Uh, you know, Tristan Thompson, of course, too. You know, NBA champion Tristan Thompson, just old. But uh, yeah, no, everybody says any. If you ask anybody that observes the NBA, they'll tell you Mitchell is gone. He's already gone. It's just a matter of who's going to pay. Is it like so? The name that I was given was Miami, so that's where he's going to go. Uh, the, that that was. From, you know, that was from a, a friend of mine who, you know, knows the league well. Uh, that's that's the rumor. And it sounds like also Brooklyn is in the mix uh, uh, as well. So those are the two, I think, thirstiest teams for Donovan Mitchell. Brooklyn, 
So to me, Brooklyn is the team you should be looking to trade with because Brooklyn has an excess of wings. Um, wings are something the Cavs need. Uh, they also have a lot of draft picks. Like for you, what would a Brooklyn trade look like? I mean, I know I'm putting you on the spot here. Yeah, I mean, you have. I mean, the problem with the Brooklyn trade is they're not going to give up uh, Michael Bridges. No, I. Why would you? Yeah, would so they give up Cam Johnson? I would think so. I would think basic. I, th- I would think that the guys you would want to keep. Uh, my guess is the guys you would want to keep if you're Brooklyn are uh, well. I'm I'm actually not that familiar with, but definitely Michael Bridges. You would keep. Um, ah, shoot. Um, Michael Bridges, um, Cam Johnson, Cam Thomas also is scoring well for them. Yeah, um, I think they would hold. They want to hold on to Thomas, although I wouldn't say that they'd. He would be a deal breaker in any any sort of yeah, way. For sure. Um, they have interesting pieces. I think they would move Dorian Finney-Smith, who would have made a lot more sense for the Cavs. Um, that, another guy they should probably have tried to get in the offseason. Um, you know, it's it's weird. They're a weird team. Um, ideally for them, they find someone to eat Ben Simmons' contract. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Is like, yeah. Basically, the only untouchable guy is Michael Bridges. Yeah, that they would be willing to part with any of the other guys. Yeah, to get for Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I mean, to me, a Cam Johnson, Dorian Finney-Smith, and draft picks trade makes some sense there, but it's also a rebuilding trade for the Cavs, and it it's just brutal because I I just think Laurie Markin is a better fit for this team. And and they kind of screwed that up. I I don't know any other way to put it. Like knowing what you know now, would you make that trade again? Yeah, yeah, easily, <laughs> easily. You would just not have kept JB Bickerstaff as a coach and caused John Donovan Mitchell to walk. Yeah, I, I would. <laughs> JB would be gone. The guy I would have gotten rid of. Okay, if I, you wanted me to say how to redo the trade, it's get rid of Jared Allen. Okay, yeah, for 100%. That's the problem. We kept the wrong big. Yeah. We should have kept Laurie Markkinen. He was the one that made – the article that I wrote with the day that we picked up Laurie Markkinen, what did I say? Is that Laurie Markkinen's not a great player, but conceptually he makes perfect sense with Evan Mobley. He's a guy that will fit with Evan Mobley. So that's why the trade was a positive one, was because there was at least – a framework that you could understand that, okay, Laurie Markkinen shoots, he pairs well with Evan Mobley. I get that. The yeah, that and meanwhile, Laurie Markkinen became an all-star last year. There you go. And, and, the, and you know, granted, you know, the numbers say I'm wrong, so so be it. You know, like the, that uh, Jaron Allen and Evan Mobley, they work better together than apart. So that's fine, whatever. But I know the eye test. What I see in the eye test is Jared Allen doesn't rebound. He's too weak. He doesn't play strong enough. He doesn't keep. He doesn't have that dog in him. That, that he's he, a loafer. He, he, that's what he is. That's what he is. You know. And, and he, uh, yeah. 
you know, and he, he got bodied by Isaiah Hartenstein and Mitch Robb, who are both making combined. They aren't making 75 percent of what he's making. Uh, that being said, Isaiah Robinson, I'm sorry, Mitch Robinson and <laughs> Isaiah Hartenstein <laughs> are much tougher players. And I would at this point rather have either of them, <laughs> unfortunately. Um but I'm going to get back when we come back and talk about the things that I think the Cavs need to do right away. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Cavs, a podcast. Um, I'm going to just talk about why I what I would do. And the first thing I would do would be to fire J.B. Bickerstaff. And I think one of the problems is the tide has turned with the fans. Do you feel that, Chris? Oh, 100%. Like, he I have crazy. guys that are ride-or-die Cavs fans that, uh, I mean, they, they would have been there with John Beeline in the day. Um, and they're turning on Bickerstaff. Like, a multiple I'm ready to, people. I'm ready to bring back Beeline. Multiple of the nicest people that I've ever talked to in Cavs fandom have said, um, yeah, JB got to go after that game. And I'm just going to read some... J.B. Bickerstaff mean tweets. Um, some of them are freaking hilarious because um, some of them he's getting body bagged in French. Um, <laughs> one of the ones that I read tonight was, um, why is J.B. Bickerstaff still a head coach in the NBA? Why isn't Craig Porter Jr. playing you see you next Tuesday at J.B. Bickerstaff? This is my favorite. What is the opposite of a microwave? Uh, a J.B. Bickerstaff play out of a timeout. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just like we're piling on here. Um, he deserves it. So I want to go back yeah. to something real quick you, that you mentioned. Okay. The, shoot, the shooting. The Cavs are ranked 27th in the NBA in three-point percentage at 34.4%. Along the only teams worse are the Lakers, Grizzlies, and Blazers. God, the Blazers. Oh, that's brutal. How do you what, and, what and are you so, doing? And then the attempts. So we were told all offseason, we saw this preseason. Oh, they're gonna launch threes, they're gonna launch threes, they're gonna launch threes. Guess where they sit in three point attempts? Twenty-fourth in the NBA. So literally uh, is that zero. pace adjusted? No, this is uh that's uh, raw. Yeah, that's raw. Yeah. So, but point stands is there's been zero. What, what's their pace at? There's their pace is um, it's been steadily dropping as far as I know. Uh, it certainly did tonight. I think it's in the mid. It's in the mid. Uh, they are 17th in pace in the league. Yeah, that's a, not great. Well, I mean, it's a big improvement over last year when they were probably dead <laughs> Okay, <last>. fair. <laughs> But, you know, we were told all these things were going to change about this offense. But they haven't. And it's just gotten worse. Like, we were at least a top 10. Weren't we a top 10 offense last year? Close to top five, maybe? Um, it, that's fair. They got exposed and they haven't figured out recovered. how to adjust. No, they, they, they literally haven't recovered since. We're, we're now at 24th in the NBA in, in offensive rating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's not good. And it's not like we've been playing a bunch of just lockdown defensive teams. You know, 
Indiana, not a lockdown defensive <laughs> team. Um, what, where is uh, Oklahoma City in terms of defense? Oh, they're pretty good. They're okay. top, top five. Yep. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I didn't think they were that good, but also that has to do with uh, Holmgren, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, I yeah. mean, it's... It's to me, and so I was talking about what I would do if I ran the Cavs. I think JB's got to go tomorrow. Um, I think you sleep on it, you fire him in the morning. Um, and, and, you know, you you help him find a buyer for his crumble cookie franchises he owns in the Cleveland area. <laughs> and you just, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles, JB. That's the way the cookie crumbles. That is definitely the tagline for this one. And... You know, I feel like I'm being mean, but God, I hope he never listens to this. And I, it, it's man. not they're, mean; they're, it's they're, just they're sports. Millionaires. They're well paid. They're it's, well yeah, paid. Yeah, they're, they're come on. They are paid to be our blame tampons. That's right. <laughs> you know. <Wow>. Okay. <laughs> and and you know the question is okay if you fight to me. The absolute best time to fire J.B. Becker's staff is right now because look at the way you've got it set up. You have got Detroit on Saturday, who's the worst team in the NBA right now. They literally did not win in the month of November. And then you have like a three-day break before you play the Red Hot Orlando Magic who you absolutely need to beat to stay relevant in the standings, especially since you dropped a game you never should have dropped tonight. Like, if there's a night to bring in a new coach and install some new stuff, it's tomorrow night. Like, go ahead and, you know, rip the Band-Aid off. Um, The guys, so the question becomes, who becomes a, the interim coach of the Cavs? Do you... They brought in Dave Jorger as a consultant. Um, and then I believe uh, Buck, uh, I always get his name right. Buck, uh, it's not Buck Williams. It's no Greg Buckner. Greg Buckner. Yeah, sorry. Coach Buck. Coach Buck. Greg Buckner is the associate head coach. I got no problem with either of those guys become an interim head coach. Um, I've liked uh, Buckner when he's coached the Cavs. Um, I, I think you need a new voice in that locker room. Uh, I also think this flawed construction of this team, the fact that they still don't have enough shooting, they still don't have enough rebounding, they don't have a playable third game big, um, that's on Kobe Altman. I think you bring in somebody else as well. Is there anybody out there that is I, – I don't love Dave Jorger as a long-term solution. He's another sub-500 career coach in six seasons in the NBA. Yeah, I don't know. See, that's the problem. Who who can you get midseason? I mean, yeah, that's the question. Promotion. You can't go hire an assistant from another team midseason, right? No. Yeah. No, not anybody that's good, I would think, or that would be a candidate. Yeah, because um, the guy I love, Jordy Fernandez, assistant to um, – Mike uh, Mike Brown in Sacramento should have been the guy they were high, uh, interviewing this summer. Uh, coach of Team Canada, who played pretty darn well in FIBA uh, this offseason. Career winningest coach in the history of the charge. 
has a history with uh, the Cavs. Uh, the other name that I'll throw out there, and I think, unfortunately, just given the nature of uh, this coach, I think it's a really hard fit midseason. But Becky Hammond is just coached the Las Vegas Aces to their second straight WNBA um, championship uh, four or five years under Coach Pop. Uh, absolutely one of the best players in WNBA history. Absolutely has the pedigree that should be able to get the Cavs uh, where they need to go. The problem is, is I think it would be incredibly difficult to bring in a the first female coach in the history of men's professional sports um, at midseason. Like, I just don't think... I think you're not setting that person up for success. So uh, that, but if it was an off-season move, I would absolutely 100% be on board with that. Um, there's other folks out there. There's Mike D'Antonio's out there who can least can coach some freaking offense. You got any suggestions? One name that you haven't mentioned, and I think it would be by far the best candidate, Coach Bud. Uh, Mike Budenholzer, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. He can coach uh, offense. He gets his teams to shoot threes. He's a champion. He's not working right now. He is not. I I certainly do you think coach Bud would you bring him in as like a president uh the same way coach Pop is and let him, you know, operate from the talent uh, the roster construction side of the house as well? No. No, I've never been a believer. I've never been a believer in the coach GM. I don't think there's really ever been too many. Ex- like, basically, the only example I can possibly think of where it was successful, it's not even in It's not even the sport of the NBA. It's uh, uh, Bill Parcells of the NFL, who's now long since retired. You know, I think just show me the examples of where a coach GM has been successful. You know, I would say the one example is uh, Greg Popovich. Well, he has R.C. Buford. Right. And what I'm saying is he's the president and he has been smart enough to cede that side of the house to R.C. Buford. Um I think these guys that think that they can do both are fooling themselves. The best guys are the guys that have that input and have the ultimate say, but understand that they don't have to do that. And the guys with the ego and the kind of self um, awareness to know that they can't do both uh, are pretty few and far between. Um, You know, isn't, isn't Quinn Snyder, wearing both those hats down in uh, Atlanta? Uh, no. Um, Atlanta's a weird situation. I forgot, I forgot who got put into power there, but I know it was, I want to say it was a Nepo hire uh, for their GM. Uh, that's a weird one because they have kind of a weird ownership group that's kind of passed through a lot of hands. Okay, so no, it's former player Landry Fields. Got it. And, yeah. And, and there's another guy out there. Um, where is uh, and maybe uh, Cleveland isn't the uh, best 
uh, spot for him. But uh, where is um, Trajan Langdon? I thought he was a GM somewhere. He is the yeah. GM of the Pelicans. Oh no, he is the GM of oh yeah the Pelicans. The Pelicans. <laughs> Sorry, you're right. And then you got Griff is is president of basketball, basketball operations. operations. Yeah, yeah, and it just ticks me off because the other guy that I would have loved uh, for the cast interview this offseason was Alex Jensen who was Donovan Mitchell's offensive coach in uh, Utah, Mm -hmm. you know, and who has for years um, been a three heavy offensive coach. And also another guy with uh, Cavs tied coast Cavs ties coach, the Cavs or the charge for uh, a year or two. So, I mean, it's not like these uh, candidates weren't out there, but, uh, I, I, to me, I think you hit the nail on the head. Buttonholzer might be the most viable candidate. And I'm not a huge Buttonholzer fan. I think he uh, can choke in the playoffs sometimes, and we've seen it multiple years, but he has gotten a team to the promised land. Yeah, and uh, talk to any Bucks fan. What do they think about Buttonholzer right now? <laughs> uh, compared to... Uh, Adrian Griffin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean the the Bucks are doing okay. Uh, they would say it'd be in spite of Adrian Griffin. <laughs> okay, well, I think the Bucks' biggest problem is that the um, the Drew Holiday for um, Baby Dame Dalla trade is one of those trades that made sense on paper and doesn't make sense when you actually watch the NBA. Uh, would you disagree? Yeah, I would definitely disagree. Drew Holiday, I'm not. A, I think he's always been overrated. Okay then. Um. <laughs> I mean, I, he's he's a nice player. Don't get me wrong. He's a nice, a winning, impactful player. I get it. Um, you know, he's a great player to have as your third best guy, which is which is what he was for the championship team. You know, but. Uh, I mean, he's just, you know, he's uh, mad. I mean, give me Dame, you know, although what I will say about Dame is what I've figured out about Dame is that he's a fraud because what what, what clued me into it is when he played for Team USA basketball back in uh, for Popovich in 2020, was it Uh, 2020, 2021, that USA team? Uh, He's he's a foul merchant. Oh yeah, for sure, and he he didn't get away with it in the international game, right? Exactly, exactly. So that's what's definitely cooled me off. But but you know, this being the NBA and it being a stars league and blah 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 blah, you know, I'd rather have Dame in his shooting for sure. Nice. Um, and with that, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Casa Podcast. It is 11.47, and um, I do not believe J.B. Bickerstaff has been fired yet. Um, (laughs) Maybe we'll find out in the morning, but uh, I haven't seen anything yet. So um, I'm going to, you know, the I I mentioned earlier the big uh, uh, deadline coming up is middle December when guys uh, trade in the offseason can be... um, 
or signed in the offseason can be acquired. Um, some of the guys that I would look at around the NBA um, kind of going to go to buyers and sellers. Um, you know, we have 11 teams that are right around 500 in the East, uh, with the Raptors being 11th and the Celtics being number one. I don't think any of those teams are going to be sellers anytime soon, unless one of them has a major injury, but, uh, rounding out the end of the East, we've got the Hornets, the Bulls, which interestingly, we're talking about blowing it up a game under 500, um, the Wizards who just look like absolute clowns for trading for Jordan Poole, uh, Tank Commander Poole, um, who looks like one of the most ridiculous players in NBA history right now as a number one option for Washington, and then the Pistons, who are just absolutely moribund right now, to use a big word. Um, (laughs) Any of those guys from the Hornets, Bulls, Wizards, or Pistons that you think the Cavs should maybe take a flyer on? Oh, sure. I mean, God, uh, Hornets, PJ Washington. Uh, off the, these are all off the top of my head. Caruso for the Bulls, Drummond, Big Pe- Penguin. Give me, give my kingdom for Andre Drummond back. My God. Yeah, get a guy who can rebound. Yeah, no kid off the bench. I mean, I I don't love. I didn't love the Andre Drummond experience, um, but he he is. The NBA's best rebounder, and it's not close, right? Well, Kevin Love actually has his. No, no, but Drummond, (laughs) Kevin Love ain't a guy on the O boards like Drummond. That's true. That's true. You know, all around best rebounder in the NBA. It's there's not even a close second to Drummond. There you go. As far as uh, Wizards, uh, is Denny available? Who knows? Denny Abdia. I I don't think you want Abdia because they just signed him to a big extension. Ooh, and I don't think he actually. I don't even think they can trade him this year. Um, Ooh, okay, Kispert, but Corey Kispert, uh, Corey Kispert, Kuzma, not. I'd be willing to take. I would love Kuzma. I think he would make some sense, but I don't think the Cavs have the ammunition to get him without moving somebody pretty good. Um, yeah. That being course, said, I'd yeah. move Jared Allen for you know. A lot of different guys right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, mean, I don't know who'd want Jared Allen the way he's been playing this year. Yeah. I mean, just rim running bigs that can't shoot. There's a limited desire to take those guys on. And, for, and why isn't he shooting? It, it's not that he can't shoot. He can shoot. They just don't put any of his shots in the offense. That That's one thing that doesn't make any sense to me for the Cavs. Yeah, I mean, it's fair I mean, Evan Mobley gets the green light. By all metrics, Jared Allen's a better shooter, yet he doesn't shoot. Like, why is that? Yeah, Riddle I mean, me this. Yeah, I think that's a good question for Jared. That's a good question for J.B. Bickerstaff. Yeah, another guy that I don't love the age, I don't love the years, but uh, Nick Vucevic for the Bulls is a guy that solves a lot of problems because he can shoot, he can pass, and he can rebound. Um, and he can play with Allen or Mobley. You know, I he, would, yeah, I would, I mean... It works offensively. It doesn't necessarily work defensively, but... True, true. I would say, 
I would say that somehow if you were able to acquire assets like as because that'd be a, it's a negative contract that they want to dump right you know uh you know maybe you can maybe you can finagle something more you know that uh, do, do you grab um oh what's his what's his contract uh mellow ball or lonzo lonzo ball with him oh, and no. just eat that contract well what money do you want to get off right now well, okay, let's talk about the Cavs' tradable contracts. You got uh, about $8.8 million for Isaac Okoro. You got about six and change for Ricky Rubio, which you hope can be given back with a buyout. Um, you've got $20 million for Jared Allen. You've got... Um, Over eight for Niang. Uh, I don't think anybody wants Niang at two more years after this. That's true. Yeah, yeah, you did say <laughs> it, it, the, it's the old saying, it's not the age it, or it's not the dollars, it's the years. You know, that that makes Niang a hard sell. To me, he's a negative asset. I would agree. Or a, or what they call in business, a liability. <laughs> um, who else do the Cavs have hot Googling action? I mean, those are the big ones. You've also got um, Dean Wade is making about $6 million a year. I actually think when he's actually healthy, Dean Wade gives you a lot of value. I know you don't want to hear this, but Karis LeVert is probably a movable contract for the oh, Cavs. absolutely. No, I mean, we're, we're in desperation mode. We, we yeah. all hand, you know, I, like I said, the only guys that in my mind that are untradeable are Mitchell, Garland, Struess, Wade, and Mobley. And, and to I, me, Mitchell's not on that list because... If you don't think he's going to re-sign in the offseason, you're going to have to trade him then anyway. Trade him from a position of strength. Yep. Yep. You know. Absolutely. um, I I would consider trading Garland at this point. Would you trade Garland? I'm concerned. I mean, like, you you know me. I've always been in Garland's corner, but this year has been wildly disappointing for me as a Garland fan. The turnovers, garbage. Not shooting the right shots, not shooting enough threes. You know, I, I don't know. I don't get what's going on with him. Uh, it is not. It's not pretty. And and the problem is, is he's it's a, it's a fast running clock with Garland because he's not going to be viable on the defensive end when he gets older. You know, like he, he has a hard clock in my mind. About thirty years old, maybe even sooner than that. Twenty eight years old. Uh, you know soon as that speed starts to go and a little bit and strength starts to go and the injuries pile up, you know, he's going to be bad. On, he's going to be Damian Lillard bad on the defensive end, you know? So like we, he needs yeah, to he doesn't have the Chris Paul defensive instincts and, you right. know, quick hands that would and, allow and him that, to at least play at a passable level and do his, yeah, into his and let's, let's also the rat tricks, you know, he's total, he's total rat. So, um, Chris well, uh, Darius Garland's getting some of that, man. He's becoming one of the better, uh, actors in the NBA at exaggerating contact. Good. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, he's yeah. the anti Okoro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, so, um, no, I mean, like I, the three guys that have stood out this season at this point, sadly, I mean, like it's been, it's been, it's been Donovan, it's been Struess, it's been Mobley. I mean, if you want to say there's a big three, that's your big three. 
Yeah, that is your big three this year. Yeah, you're 100% right. So I I don't know what the solution is, but uh, I guess this is why Kobe gets paid the good money. Hopefully he's hopefully his DUI has been adjudicated. <laughs> oh man, I knew that was going to come up. You got to walk that line. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, so yeah, let me take you out west real quick before we uh, end this bad boy. And you know, team two here out west in my uh, trade machine. We got the Spurs, who I would think that they're honestly not really sellers. The only guy that they probably really would care to get off of would be, um, you know, Dougie McBuckets. And they don't care about him. Bring home Chatty. Bring home Chatty. No, the Cavs can't reacquire him for a calendar year. Unless he is traded to a third team and then released. They, They can't trade back for Chetty. So, um, you know, anybody on the Blazers, I feel like the Blazers don't, uh, would you look at Malcolm Brogdon? No. Yeah. The other guy on the Blazers, the guy who's just absolutely just stole $150, million, Jeremy Grant. Um, you got to think that they would love to get off that contract. Um, yeah. Long term. Yeah. 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 I, I don't think he makes a ton of sense on the Cavs. Yeah, because he's he's the same kind of guy. He's a he's a he's a, a finesse guy yeah. who just cashes checks. He's not a dog. He, he's a check casher. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I th- I think that's a good call out. Um, you've got the Jazz. You know the Jazz. I would love to get. The, the Jazz actually have some guys I think they would move. Kelly Olenek, um, I think, would make sense for the Cavs, but I think he's too old at this point. Um, you've got Jordan Clarkson, who weirdly might make some sense for this Cavs team, but also was never a good defender, and now he's 31. you got John Juice Collins, who is not playing very well, but would... I don't know if he's a dog, but... He certainly couldn't be worse than Georges Niang. Um, I would agree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just weird. There's not a ton of guys out there that would make a ton of sense uh, that are, you know, kind of gettable. You look at the Pelicans. Um, w- would you make a move for, would you dump um, Jared Allen for uh, Jonas Valanciunas? Not without assets return. No, without. Oh yeah, no. You would. You would have absolutely. There'd be assets coming back in a in a trade like that. I I think that actually might make some sense, but. I mean, it's worth considering, but I mean, it's. I think what this exercise really shows is the Cavs are kind of screwed. Yeah, I mean, they've kind of painted themselves into a corner with. They really have. Yeah. 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 And, and part of the problem is that Kobe has not, you know, he's whiffed on draft picks. You know, Isaac Okoro, I think we've gone far enough to say it's a whiff, you know, What's and that was not a great draft. It's to funny be fair. That, oh, it was an excellent draft, I think, in hindsight, I think. It's turning out to be a... a no, there's some very good players, but there weren't a lot of a lot of good ones. 
Well, see, this is what kills me is the Isaac Okoro draft and the Colin Sexton draft kill me because they were clearly better players that everybody knew were better, but they chose the wrong one anyway. Uh, Onyeka, like, uh, who it, were they? So in case of Okoro, you got Onyeka Kongwu, um, Devin were, Vassell. Okay, yes, that was my guy. Vassell yeah. and Halliburton you, were You my know who guys. my guy was. Hallie, yeah, I would have taken yeah. him number so, one in the draft. Exactly. So there were obvious guys that you, you would have taken for, instead of Okoro. There were obvious guys you would have taken. Well, one guy. It was SGA for me uh, in the Sexton draft. So it's just funny, like the whiffs were just spectacular. They were just spectacularly bad whiffs. Yeah. You know, and I get like, you know, I get everybody makes mistakes or whatever, but it's just funny to me because like you just have to watch like five minutes of their college tape to figure out if they can play or not. Yeah. Well, it's and the, and the to figure out. Yeah. And the funny thing about that draft, though, is, you know, after uh, Hallie, it just is awful then you, you you basically don't have another all-star. You you barely have an NBA rotation player until you get to 18 and Josh Green, and he's barely an NBA rotation player. Then you have Sadiq Bey, um, who comically was traded, was Detroit's third best player, and they traded him for James Watson. That is so crazy, isn't it? Like, he, <laughs> yeah. He's like a player they need they need right now, and they don't have him. <laughs> yeah, and they, they like even did worse in just collecting big men than yeah, the Cavs. I think, they did. I think they dumped him to get Wiseman, didn't they? They did. Or Bagley or Bagley? No, yeah, Wiseman. It, it was Bagley. And Wiseman oh, is God. unplayable. Yeah. He's oh, he's an utter and complete bust. He's the biggest big man bust since Hashim Thabit. <laughs> I'm, I'm not exaggerating, am I? No, no, absolutely not. Like, no. I would have a hard time thinking he's going to be in the league next year. I love it, though, because that single-handedly destroyed their dynasty. So, it, Oh, the, the Warriors? Yeah, No, not single-handedly. They also were stupid and held on to the, um, oh, who's the other guy? The rookie they still have, or the young guy they still have. Oh, Kaminga. Yeah, they, they also held on to Kaminga stupidly. And uh, I just slammed my pinky in a car door, um, Andrew oh Wiggins. Gosh, Wiggins. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, it's just funny because the draft is just kind of garbage until you get to Emmanuel quickly in 25 and then Desmond Bain at 30. Like, And then you got Xavier Tillman is pretty much the only decent player in the second round. Um, and then, of course, number 60, Sam Merrill which is just kind of funny. But that was also that weird draft that took place in October. Um, right. So it was just kind of everybody was already starting with the, you know, a, a ball and chain around their leg. So yeah. before before uh, before we depart or whatever, did you see the Michael Sato report about Chuma Akiki? Who? <laughs> A uh, magic player, uh, Chuma Okiki. He was a he's a young player uh, out oh. of young weir, a uh, young wing out of Auburn. He uh, Akoro actually replaced him uh, right at Auburn. Uh, I guess there were. I guess uh, Orlando was taking calls for him, and uh, Cavs were interested. So interesting. I would take I would take him in a heartbeat over Akoro. That's where <laughs> I stand on it. Um. Yeah, I I would definitely look at that 
Um, the problem is, what I, do the Cavs have anything they could even get for that guy? Or give for that guy? And if you're Orlando, why well, do you want to trade playing. with the Cavs? Yeah, he's not playing. So I don't think he's, I don't think the assets would be a problem to get him. Interesting. Because he's getting squeezed out of the rotation out of there. Yeah. With uh, Jonathan Isaac back. So, um, you know, I don't think it would be hard to get. I, I would hope that, uh, hell, I'd take him in a heartbeat. So hopefully Kobe get it done if it's real. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Um, yeah, let me look and see if there's anybody else out West that I want to throw out there. But I mean, there really isn't, uh, you got the jazz, but do the Cavs really want to trade with the jazz again? You got the Grizzlies. They don't have anybody to trade. They, they done made all their trades and ain't nobody want no Marcus smart. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the only one to get. Right? Well, I just find that he has just been totally exposed to me. Um, good. Yeah, yeah. I hate that guy. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, anything to pitch other than your next uh, possible NBA head coach? Uh, Yeah, Uh, my buddy of mine uh, has been recently working with the famous DJ Armin Van Buren, uh, big time EDM techno DJ. Uh, They've been working on a new track with uh, Justin Bieber. And uh, I think it's going to get released soon. So be on the lookout. You know, uh, Armin Van Buren, if you're an EDM fan, uh, possible a big time hit with uh, Justin Bieber coming out shortly with my buddy. My buddy uh, will get uh, publishing credits on that on that track. So hopefully, nice. it come, hopefully it gets public. So we'll see how it goes. And and for me, I'm going to. Uh... I'm going to pitch uh, Blue Eye Samurai on Netflix, which is a six or eight episode uh, arc anime about mm-hmm. a, uh, a half gaijin samurai in um, feudal Japan, in 17th century Japan. Um, it's really super well done, getting a lot of raves. It'll probably win an Emmy. Um it's super well done. It was written by a husband and wife. Uh, one of them is uh, American and the other is Japanese. I'm not sure if she's Japanese American or not, but uh, they co-wrote it. And then uh, it's uh, an anime that was uh, produced by... Netflix and there's a lot the the animation is pretty good most of the time there's a few times where you realize a lot of it's done with uh, computers and and the rendering just seems slightly off in terms of the perspectives but you know 98% of it is fantastic and the voice acting is incredible a lot of voices that you'll recognize in there from um you know uh Asian uh acting stars and American acting stars. So it's really well done. And then the other movie that I would highly recommend is the menu, which is, uh, Ray Fiennes, um, Nicholas Holt and Anna Taylor joy. And it is about a, um, a very exclusive foodie restaurant that takes a horror turn, uh, in the spirit of, you know, David Eggers, The Witch, and The Lighthouse, and then um, the other movie, 
oh, what's the other big uh, A24 movie? I can't remember the name of it. Um, oh, Midsummer. You know, if, if you enjoy those movies, you'll definitely enjoy the menu. So uh, check that out. Uh, it's on a couple different platforms. came out last year. Nice. So. Nice. And Maybe. with yeah. that and our bitching done for the <laughs> evening, uh, we await uh, the news cycle tomorrow morning and hope that uh, we don't get the Detroit Pistons off the snide on Saturday. <laughs> and with that, I bid you uh, go Cavs. Go Cavs. Anybody got Mike Buttonholzer's number? <laughs> Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. And we're out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.